It's great to be in church today, uh, packed house, and I want to just send my love. Can we just say everyone in Lithopolis, welcome our Lancaster campus. They can hear you when you clap. They can hear you when you cheer and celebrate, and um, they'll make noise down there. And um, So I, I need you to be extra vocal so that everyone in Lancaster will know how touched you are by God in church and and this message. I'm excited to be in church today. And we're going to kick off a brand new series called The Community Project. And it's going to be exciting. I, I think you're going to find this series very impactful, very helpful in your life. Um, but today's content is kind of a, a prelude to the real series. Um, the best way I can describe it, if you're a book person, have you ever noticed that books don't start on chapter one? There's always a preface to the book. How many of you read the preface? Raise your hand, book nerds. Y'all are nerds that read the preface, right? You probably also read the inside of the cover and the outside of the cover. You're like that. My wife will do that. Uh, I want to get straight to chapter one. Well, today I need to give you the preface, okay? And I always feel like the preface is the part of the book that the author wished they had thought of and written it into the book, but then it was too late and it went to the editor, so they just decided, can I add this to the front side? Well, well, I wasn't planning to preach this message in this series, but God dropped something on my heart and God challenged me with something. And like I always tell you, when God challenges me, I'll just challenge you with it. And we're going to talk about community and what that looks like. And, and here's the truth, and whether you realize this or not, but you spend really the better part of your life connected to or a part of communities. Do you realize that? Like we don't go through life by ourselves and you wouldn't want to. Whether you're even thinking about it, you are connected to multiple communities at any one given time. You're connected to community at work. You're connected to a community at school. You're connected to a community of friends. You're connected to a community that you play with. You're connected to a community at the gym. You're connected to a community through your kids' sports activities. And oh, by the way, you're connected to a community through worship. And so we find ourselves all the time surrounded by communities. And you can be surrounded by a community without ever truly really becoming part of that community. And I want to talk on a deeper level as we get into this series about community. What does it look like to experience it? And here's what I know to be true. You need community. Not, not like, well, it's nice to have. You need community. In fact, I believe that a sense of community might be one of the most significant uh, needs that we have right after food, water, shelter, clothing, is the need for relationships, the need for community. It's that powerful. And if you were to ask me, and again, I might be a little biased in this, but I think that there is one community that stands above the rest that I think is the most significant, the most important, the most powerful community of all. That's the church community. Can I get an amen from anyone that's with me on that? You're going to have to help me preach this today because I got a message burning in my soul and I got to get it out. The, the, the church community, I don't just say that because I'm a pastor. I say that because of the significance of the church community. I mean, you can have a lot of other communities and friends and circles, and they're, they're, they're great, and it will help fill a little bit of a need. But there is a different level to which the church community is intended to meet that need. It's different. It's just different. In fact, here's why I think it's also so important, is because the church community is not one that is made up by man. 
It's one that was created by God himself. Jesus said, I will build my church and nothing is going to stop it. In fact, Jesus cared so much about the community in heaven that he started that community here on earth in the church. Do you know that we are just practicing for the community that we're going to have in heaven? Do you know that God loves community, that God's heart is so big that heaven would be so full that really what he did was he said, I'm going to start my community on earth in the church. That's why it's so significant. And I've got something that God just really impressed upon my heart that I think is important for our focus as a church community. If you've got a Bible with you and you want to get it out or an electronic device, I'd encourage you to follow along. If you want to take notes, this could be a good one to really process this week. We're going to be in Luke chapter 14. It's one of my absolute favorite stories. I'm going to read to you in a minute a story that Jesus shared in Luke chapter 14. And uh, Jesus actually shares this story that is a parable. A parable is not a real a live event that happened, but rather it's a story that would illustrate a very real truth. And let me give you the setting because context is super important. Okay, I don't want to just jump right into the story without giving you the setting. Jesus is actually sitting at a prominent Pharisee's house for a dinner party on the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath was the one day of the week when you were not allowed to do any work. You couldn't mow your yard. Okay, you, you couldn't do any of that kind of stuff. You had to just focus on God relationship in the community. That's all they did on the Sabbath. And so they would have church. They would also have like these dinner parties. And so one time Jesus gets invited to the house of this kind of very well-known prominent Pharisee, which I found fascinating because the Pharisees hated Jesus. They couldn't stand him. And, and honestly, the one reason why they would invite him is so that they could find a reason to arrest him. In fact, I, I, I wondered for the longest time, you know, why in the world would they even invite him? And then I thought about, oh, wait a minute, that's right. You're supposed to keep your friends close and your enemies closer, right? And so they, why not invite Jesus over to our dinner party? And so Jesus is sitting at this dinner party. And as he's there, he's kind of seeing it's the who's who, the elite religious they've got everybody's got their flowing robes everybody is like super holy and religious and and as he's looking around he sees this guy that's right nearby i don't think honestly he was invited uh personally because of what happens in the story but there's a guy there that's sick that his body's got abnormal swelling there's something wrong medically and, and if you would understand anything about the pharisees back then if you had a problem a medical problem you were considered unclean they didn't want to hang around with you because they could get your little you know eebie goobies whatever scabies things you would have they're like we don't want to get that and so they would like we're not going to touch the unclean that's what they would do and, and so there's this guy who's there jesus sees him i think everyone's ignoring him and so jesus says something because jesus loved to stir it up he loved to cause a little bit of a, a mess and and so he gets there and he says, um, I got a question for y'all. Is it lawful, is it okay, is it allowed to heal on the Sabbath or not? Now, now this is a trick question. Whenever Jesus asks you a question, it's a trick question. So you got to be careful how you answer it. Just like when the pastor asks you a question, it's a trick question. 
And, and so I asked, is, is it lawful? And so they're probably going, oh, man, I remember that time when he was, we were at church on a Sabbath, and, and there was a guy with a withered hand, and Jesus kind of asked, and, they re, and he, he healed that guy's hand, and then, you know, he kind of called us out. So we don't want to answer. And so he knows what they think in their minds. He knows this is going to tick them off. And so when they don't even answer, and so Jesus heals the guy. You imagine the gasp. <laughs> And, and Jesus heals him and then sends him on his way, which tells me he wasn't invited to the party. It, it's a shame because I see that kind of scenario on another level play out in church all the time. In other words, the people who get invited to the party tend to be the ones who look like you. I've seen this play out in churches where, where if someone is unclean, if someone's got a problem, if they got a mess in their life, if they don't have it all together, that there have been churches where they're not welcome, where we only throw a party for the people that think like us, the people that vote like us, the people that look like us. That's all we do. This is what the Pharisees were about. Throw dinner parties for themselves. Can I, can I just tell you, and this is a dangerous, dangerous thing. One of the worst things we can ever do is make church about us. The moment we make church about us, in other words, the moment we create programs and ministries all to serve my needs, what we're really doing is we're telling the rest of the world, we don't care, and we flip them the middle finger. Is that a little too aggressive for you? Do you want me to back it down or no? Like I just, I'm just feeling something a little bit today, okay? Like, that's the worst thing that we can do. And the problem is Jesus is sitting at this dinner party of the who's who, the elite, the secret society that no one can break into, no one's invited to be part of. And they don't have God's heart. Let me just say this. You can be incredibly religious and not have God's heart at all. You can go to church and completely miss the point of it. And so he's sitting there and he's watching all of them vie for the best seat in the house. And he's, what are you doing, man? And then he takes a jab at the guy who threw the party. That's something you wouldn't do. To, it would maybe offend the host. And he says, when you invite people over, when you invite them to your house, when you invite them to your party, he said, don't just invite the people that look like you. Don't just invite the other religious people, don't just invite your friends and your family members and all your rich neighbors I like them. I like them and they got money and they got a boat. We should invite them over. Maybe they'll invite us on the boat. No, no, seriously. Jesus says, because more than likely they'll, they'll return the favor. They might invite you to go out on their boat, but then you're not going to get a real reward from your father in heaven. He says, instead, what you should do is invite the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. You know, the people that can't pay you back, the people where there's no real benefit for you. Invite those people because when you do, that's when you get God's attention. That's when you'll get God's favor. That's when you'll experience the blessing of God. Why? Because that's the heart of God. And so it's in this setting where you can tell Jesus is getting a little perturbed. And, he, and he's, he's telling them all this stuff, and that's, that's not offensive enough. And then there's this guy in the party. There's always one guy in the party that opens his mouth, that looks like an idiot, that shouldn't say anything. And he says this. I want you to hear this in verse 15. That's where we'll start. It says, when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, I can imagine he said this in his really religious voice, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Can you imagine how religious he said it? He's just so pious. 
Well, blessed are the one. God, I don't know why you're even talking about this party, Jesus. Come on, can we all agree? The real blessing, he's trying to divert the attention because it looks really bad about the party they've got now. Can we, the real party is in heaven. Isn't that right, Jesus? Well, he's kind of right. He's kind of right. But again, the only reason why he says this is because he doesn't see the way God sees. And so Jesus, without even answering this guy's question, he tells a story. And so everybody's just sitting around and they're all kind of slightly perturbed, but also slightly really like, what's he going to say next? And he shares this story. It's one of my favorites, and I, I want you to hear it. Because this story, listen, illustrates God's heart and our part. What's God's heart and our part when it comes to this community? Here's what he said in verse 16. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field. I must go and see it. I got to see my piece of dirt. Make sure it hasn't moved. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please, please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. I won't even respond to that one. I feel like that might be the only valid excuse in this entire one. Hello. Then, then the servant in verse 21 came back and he reported this to his master. At that, it says, then the owner of the house, he became angry. And he ordered his servant, go out quickly. Come on, don't waste time. Go out quickly to the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, fine, go out further. Go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be what? Everyone say it out loud. Will be full so that my house. Th this is a story that gives us some insight into God's heart. And there's three basic characters represented in this story. There's the master. Maybe you can pick up on who the master, the master represents God himself. He's the master, okay? Then there's the guests. The guests are the people that have been invited to experience this party in really eternity. And, and then there's the servant. And the servant to me represents each of us, those of us, who would follow Jesus because what if you're gonna follow Jesus then you're gonna have to become a servant because he was a servant he did not come to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom I am a servant of Jesus Christ when I follow him and I believe the servant represents each and every one of us and the picture that he paints is of a banquet maybe you could say of like a, a wedding reception maybe that's kind of the best portrayal of this. In fact, something you'll find interesting as you read, read through the New Testament is one of the ways that the Bible will refer to the church community is in marriage language. Um, maybe because your marriage is the most maybe significant intimate relationship that you can have with someone on this earth, that God uses it to illustrate the way he wants to connect with you. And so in, in this picture, the, Jesus is the groom 
And the church is sometimes called the bride of Christ. In other words, we're all waiting. It's like your wedding day. You can't see the groom. You're waiting to see the groom, but not until Jesus comes back and we see the groom. And there's this picture that one day, each and every one of us, not only are we waiting as the bride, but we're also invited to this huge party that God's throwing in heaven. You know that God is preparing a massive party for all of us? Like, it's going to be better than any wedding reception you've gone to. And I know you've been to some that were great. You've been to some where, you know, an uncle got drunk and then just like it was just incredible what just transpired after that. You just sat back and enjoyed the whole thing. It's not going to be like that, but it's going to be awesome. Okay? The, the Bible says that when we encounter God in person someday, that we're going to have the biggest celebration. In fact, in Revelation 19.9, it calls it the marriage supper of the lamb. In other words, Jesus will be there and we're going to be there. And it's just going to be the biggest party you can ever imagine. So Jesus is giving us the insight to this story. But here's the thing about this big party is that invitation is given to the world, but you have to RSVP. How many of you have been invited to a wedding in the past year? Raise your hand if you have. Come on. I know most of us have. Almost every wedding that you get invited to, the people who are throwing the party, the reception afterwards, will almost always ask for your RSVP. Rendezvous, please. I don't know the French version for that. I'll screw it up. That's French for respond, please. Tell us if you're coming. But how many of you have ever thrown an event or ever put on a wedding reception know that you're lucky to get 50% at best of people who actually RSVP to your party? We know this because every time we throw a party at the church and we ask for it, we get 50%, maybe at best. And then we'll ask other people like, hey, man, did you hear? We're going to have a party. We're going to have this. Are you coming to? Oh, yeah, 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 I'm coming to that. Then why didn't you RSVP? I'll tell you why we don't RSVP. Is it because you don't like the person? No. A lot of times we don't RSVP because we don't want to actually commit. Mm, like you, so I'm just going to help you out if you're planning a wedding reception, especially if you're going to plan it during Buckeye season. First of all, you ought to know that that's a sin. It hurts God's heart. Don't plan your wedding on a Saturday during the Buckeye game. That's also wisdom, okay? And And, and so... There's a lot of people who are like, they, they don't turn it in. The reason why I don't turn it in is because they're trying to keep their options open. Like if nothing else comes up, we'll go to your thing. But what if something better comes along? That's why we don't RSVP. And, and if I could just be honest, maybe be blunt with you just, just for a second. There are a lot of people that are doing this with God. Right? Like we hear the invitation and maybe even you sense he's real. Somebody invites you to church, somebody invites you, and you hear the invitation, you go to church on Christmas, or maybe you go Easter for a family member, and you hear an invitation to follow God, you hear an invitation to receive His grace, and it sounds amazing, like the party sounds sick, like I want to go to the party, I just don't want to commit, because I kind of like doing my own thing too. And I feel like if I commit, then I'm going to have to kind of live a certain way, but I don't know if I really want to do that. And, and, I, and so what we do is we, we come up with all these different excuses as to why we, we can't do it. I, I just wonder if, if maybe that's been you and your experience in your life and your journey.
Maybe you can think about that. Because th there were so many excuses that people gave as to why they couldn't come. I don't know if you noticed these different excuses. Uh, one guy says, I bought a field and I got to go look at it. And I, again, I don't even know why you have to go look at your field and can't go to the party other than it's an excuse. Like, I, I don't really have a reason to not go. I just don't know that I really want to go. I, I, I just got a field and I want to go look at it. Or another guy said this, um, I just got five yoke of oxen and I'm dying to try them out. Like, I know we can't relate to that because we don't go buy some oxen, right? We don't usually do that unless you're a farmer, maybe, but I don't even think you do that. You're going to get a John Deere, right? We all know you get deer, not oxen. But, but I, I think what, what we sometimes say is, I just got some new clubs, I'm dying to try them out. I come to church on Sunday, but man, I got to take time for eight o'clock and I got to work all, you know, and so I'm dying to try it out. Or I just got this boat and it's like, we work during the week. So we're going to be on the lake every weekend. We've got this boat. Or right, here's one. He's got new hunting equipment. There's some people we don't see for an entire season because they're in the woods looking for an animal to kill. I would go to church, but I just got I will, I just, but I got, I, I would, I would commit and follow you, but I just, I got things to do. Or, or maybe this other person has said, well, I would, but I got married and she won't let me. And that is something, that's not what it says, but it kind of lends itself that it was a guy. And he's, you know, I think honestly, what's, what's that a picture of? To me, that's a, that's a picture of when a relationship with somebody else becomes more important than your relationship with Christ. And I do see this happen a lot. If I could be honest with a lot of single people and even divorced people that start dating again. And I see how invested they are in their relationship with Jesus and how life-changing it is and how on fire they are and how they wanna do everything they can and how they wanna grow in their faith. And then all of a sudden they meet somebody and then that somebody becomes more important to them than Jesus did. And next thing you know, we haven't seen them in about four months. It's become more important. Let me tell you something, single people, you're gonna learn this. The reason why there's a lot of married people in church today is because they figured out very quickly that they can't put all their expectations into the marriage basket because their spouse cannot meet them all and that they need God more than they need their spouse, which is why there's a lot of married people in church today. We need God. And, and so we can come up with all kinds of excuses, but you gotta remember something. People are gonna do that. And we are the servant in the story. I feel like that's a representation of us. I'm a servant of his. I'm the one he's going to send. And you need to understand this. As a servant in this story, it's not our job to convince people. It's our job to invite people. It's not my job that I need to make them see how much they need God. It's my job to simply invite them to see how much God has changed my life. That's what I'm really trying to show them. So we're just inviting them. And people are going to make excuses all the time. I can't do this. I'm too busy. We don't have time. I was hurt in church once. I don't trust. I don't, I, people got all kinds of excuses. I understand that. Can I, can I just ask this question for you? Maybe I won't, because it'll get awkward in this room. I was looking at the camera because it won't get awkward for Lancaster. But perhaps maybe, maybe just some of you would recognize that you've been making excuses as to why you haven't fully committed to Jesus Christ. Because we can go to church. We can play that game. And it makes us feel good for that moment. But then go back to the life that we're living. But we don't really want to fully commit. I'll give you a little bit of time, but I'm not going to give you 
my money. I'll give you the weekend and I'll go to church, but I'm not going to serve anybody and spend extra time there. We we make excuses all the time. And here's the thing I need you to understand about God, what I love about God, because I've spent my life, I've made a lot of excuses. God is so gracious and he is so loving that God will extend grace to you time after time after time. If it weren't for the grace of God, I wouldn't be here today doing what I'm doing. God is so loving and so gracious that though we make excuses, he will keep pursuing you. For a while. But understand this. Every time you make an excuse, you actually are making a decision. No, 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 I might. I just, I love, I, I believe in God. I just, no, every time we make an excuse, it doesn't matter what it is, we're actually making a decision. We're making a decision that I'm not going to do it. And, and I think sometimes we think that God is so loving and so gracious that, that we have, I don't know, one day I will. Can I, can I tell you something? That one day may never come. It may never come at all. And it's not an indictment on God. It's what will happen in your own life if you continually make excuses and reject God. You will eventually learn to ignore God. And there will come a day when it will be too late. Where God's mercy does run out. There is, a, there is a moment. I know it's hard to believe. But there is a moment when it may be too late. And so the servant um, sees all these people making excuses, tells the master, and the master actually gets angry. Do you know why God would ever get to a place in response of being angry? It's because of what it cost him for him to give you that invitation. The death of his son, Jesus. It cost him everything. And so... He goes on to say this, and I want you to hear this in Luke 14, verse 21. This is big. This is what he says to the servant. You can tell all angry. He says, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame. He says, go out. I don't know if you pick up on the language because it's kind of obvious because I think sometimes as the servants in the church, we think, oh, I hope they come in. He says, don't hope they come in, but go out. Don't just hope that maybe, well, I'm just thinking maybe my friend at work, you know, their, their life's a mess. So I just, one day they're going to find God, I'm sure. No, they may not find God. That's why God says, you go out to them. Did you pick up on the sense of urgency in the master's? Go out quickly. Don't delay. Don't waste. You don't understand how much God's heart breaks for people around us every day that are dying, spiritual death. I I forget, I gotta be honest with you. I lose sight of it myself. Sometimes I get so lost in my own world. Sometimes I can be so busy in my own world that I don't even see the world. So focused on me and what I gotta do and our kids and what we gotta get them to that honestly I can go through day after day And not even see the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. You see, they don't have to be physically poor, crippled, blind, and lame. This is a a story, an analogy. That's actually a picture of people's spiritual health. And I think it's easy to go around our world and see everybody's so busy. And we're all running different places a million miles. And we're we're all doing our own thing. And not even realize that that that's, that's where they are. And so he tells the servant, he says, go out quickly. 
to the town, the streets. Just go, go invite people to come in. That's just God's heart for the community in heaven through the community of the church. Invite them to come in. So the servant goes and he does that. And he gets as many people as he can. But then he looks around because of God's heart and because of how big of a party God's preparing. This is the reason why it's taken thousands of years since Jesus left. Because he's preparing this huge party. And he says to him, but there's still room. We still got empty seats. And I need you to hear this because this one verse, Luke 14, 23, just captures God's heart for the world and for our community. Then the master told his servant, fine, go out further. Go out to the roads in the country lane. Go out, go beyond where you went. Expand your circle. Go further. But I, I got these 10 people and I've already invited my neighbor. Then go further than your neighborhood. Well, I already talked to my coworkers. Go further than just your coworkers. Go out to the roads, the country lanes, and compel them to come in so that my house will be what church? Will be. This is his heart. Sometimes I, I think we, we make church about us and for us, and when we do, we totally lose God's heart. It's not about me, it's not about you. It's about us gathering as a community inspired by God so that we could go out beyond the walls of our church and that we would compel people to hear the good news. If he has changed your life, you have something to compel people with. If he has saved you, you got a reason to compel people with. Go out. I, I hope you pick up on the language because it's not, hey, hey man, you, you don't have a church I know a good place it's not like hey man you know if you don't do anything this Sunday love to have you come with me in church man. the language he said was compel like do whatever it takes tell them how much it's meant to you not how great the music is tell, tell them about how it's filled something in your life that you haven't found any other community tell them about how you have a sense of purpose now tell them about how it's affected your marriage tell them about how it's you've seen change in your kids because of it compel them hey if you need to bribe them i'll take you out to eat i'll pick you up i'll drive compel that that's what an invitation looks like do whatever it takes. I, uh, we had an incredible time at church this past Wednesday. One worship night. How many of y'all came and enjoyed that time of God, being with God, His presence? I, I, I know a bunch of you didn't because you, you got a lot of stuff going on. You just missed out on it, though. And it wasn't just an extended time of worship that was so great. And it wasn't just a message that maybe grabbed your heart, but it was... You know, one of my favorite parts about it is celebrating dozens of people getting baptized, representing how God has made them new. There is nothing like that in the church. Amen. Nothing compares with seeing lives changed. And I was, I was at the baptisms this past Wednesday. And I'm standing next to somebody who goes to our Lithopolis campus. And he leans over to me and he says, I'm watching 
people in my family whose lives were changed all because somebody from this church invited my wife I said you're preaching my sermon I said would you tell me this story and so he he did and he he shared it with me and I wanted to read I wanted to read this story because I think this story can say more than I could maybe even say today and and so this guy Dwayne who goes to our church he he wrote the story and he said tonight as I stood and looked around at all the people attending this one night worship I was struck by the amount of people I knew my crossroads journey is a little over a year old and the relationships that my family has formed with God and our church family are amazing I would go so far as to say they've been life-changing tonight I saw firsthand how a single conversation can cause a magnitude of positive change in the spring of 2017 he said our family was going through a hard season my wife Heather and I had previously attended our church but it had been over a year since we'd been we both wanted a new church but we could not agree on what we wanted out of church looking for an outlet for stress Heather decided to join Eastside Athletics in Lithopolis shortly after joining she met a few women that attended Crossroads and they invited her to a Bible study at their home working out with this group studying the Bible having a sounding board made a large impact on Heather in just a few short weeks the women encouraged her to attend the next crossroads experience with them and when she asked me to join her I was a definite no I don't want I love this in quotes a rock and roll church that was not my thing with that she attended her first service without me afterwards she came back beaming with joy at her newfound church and the impact it had on her so for the next week or so she kept encouraging me to attend and but we settled for a promise that I would listen to your Father's Day sermon on the way to work some of you know what it's like if your spouse isn't going to church and you continually have to invite them don't give up don't give up well I'm not sure I actually remember to driving to work that day because the message hit me so hard it was just what I needed to hear I had to go see for myself what Crossroads was all about. A few days later, Heather, myself, and our two youngest children attended Crossroads for the first time as a family, and we have called it home ever since. For the next few months, we asked and asked my oldest son, Chaz, to join us. As much as he loves people and music, I knew that he would love Crossroads. After about two months of trying, I actually bribed him to attend. That's awesome, Chaz. What's up? You're here. Yeah. Yeah, Chaz in the service. And I don't know what he bribed you with, but I hope it was worth it. Once in the door, I could immediately see him enjoying the service and the message. On the way out, he even ran into a few old high school friends who called Crossroads home. Since that time, Chaz has not missed many services. He has volunteered as a youth leader, has gone on a mission trip to Puerto Rico about four months ago. He even invited his friend Terry. What's up, Terry? Terry's also here to the service. Terry's also become part of our Crossroads family and volunteers as well. About six months after ago, I asked my niece, Lara, to attend what's up Lara I just given a shout out to all of them to attend I don't think Lara went to church regularly and she had never been baptized Lara too fell in love with the message I hope this is right he's talking for you guys fell in love with the message the music and the crossroads family she recently began volunteering as a greeter and her children are enrolled in CC kids it is clear 
that my family, he says, is forever changed because of Crossroads. My wife and I now have a stronger relationship with God and with each other. My children not only know God, they serve others through volunteering and outreach programs. We have all made lifelong friendships through our mission trips, small groups, and Impact Week activities. Our lives now have purpose tonight as we gather at the entry of the Lancaster campus I was struck by the effects of that single conversation at Eastside Athletics between my wife and a member Crossroads one by one I watched my son Chaz his friend Terry my niece Larry uh, my niece Larry to, to be made new and they were baptized each of them publicly professing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior one conversation one invite seven lives forever changed I can't wait to see what God has in store for us next can we not just take a moment and I wanted to celebrate their baptisms and seeing how God has changed their life. They are not the same, and that is because of a single invite. The power of an invitation can change a family. It can change generations. It can leave a legacy of change from, from just one invitation. You, you know what this shows me? is that this is a glimpse in the story of God's heart. The story, God's heart is that this community would be full because he wants heaven full. And so you know what that means about our church, this church community? We are going to be a welcoming church. We're going to be inviting church. We're going to be a loving church. We're going to be a selfless church. We're going to be a giving church. We're going to make room for people. We're going to compel them to come and meet the same Jesus that made us new, that changed our lives. That's the kind of church that we are going to be. And so I felt, I felt like God prompted my heart. It was several weeks ago. felt like God prompted me that I need to get and recapture his heart for the world, for our community. Because you know what I realized is because I've been so involved in so much, I've gone through so much, trying to build a building, we're doing all this stuff, that I realized all of a sudden my attention has become so diverted to us, me personally, and not them. I felt like God began to lay a challenge on my heart challenge and I told you when God challenges me I'm gonna pass it along to you and so I, I want to invite you to be part of a challenge I'm calling it the 30-day challenge in fact you you should have had on your seat or around your seat a card that says the community project if you want to get that out I'm gonna tell you what you can do with that now in just a moment on the back there's just a place for you to put a little bit of information but listen there's something significant about this card. It's not just, let's turn in a card. And... This was the challenge that God laid on my heart. What if I spent the next 30 days thinking about, praying for, and inviting somebody to be part of his community? What if, this is what God laid on my heart. It just popped up just one day, just going along. Because I've become so consumed on just what I have to do and how busy I am that I don't even see the people that God sees around me. You know we can do that. You can go to work and never notice someone that's hurting. 
You can be at school and see him every day and never know. And so I was like, God, open my eyes. And so God said, okay, you want to open your eyes? Why don't you commit and open your mouth? Okay. And so here's what we're going to do as a community. And I'm going to invite you to be part of this, but only if you really want to go after it, because this is not going to be easy. This is not for the faint of heart. That if you fill out this card and in a moment, you'll have an opportunity to bring it forward at your campus and to drop it in one of the baskets there. You're challenging that for every day, for the next 30 days, starting tomorrow, that you will pray for the people in our community. And we have a special card that we're going to give you. You're going to be able to grab one that has 30 different things. And we're going to pray about different aspects of the larger community around us. We're going to pray for first responders one day. We're going to pray for our educators and our teachers one day. We're, we're going to pray for our neighbors and our neighborhoods. We're going to pray for our coworkers and our bosses one day. We're going to pray for our family members that don't know Jesus one day. We've got 30 different things to inspire us. And here's what's going to be cool. There's going to be hundreds of people in our community at both our campuses that every day we're going to be praying for the same group of people in our community. I can't wait to see what God does because of it. God said, if my people we're called by my name, will humble themselves, will turn from the sin, and will pray. I will see from heaven, and I will heal their land. Something will happen when we begin to pray. So we're going to pray, but we're not just going to pray, oh, Lord, I hope some boy comes. We're going to invite him. And so we have stacks of invites, more than 30, and each stack rubber banded up. This is going to be a serious challenge. I'm telling you, it's going to be hard. It's going to be real hard. Because some of us, the only people in our circle, and I feel this, are the people who look like me, the people who believe like me, the people who think like me. Listen, we're going to talk about community, and it is important. But this community should never get us to a place where we, we lose sight of the larger community around us. And so when you turn in that card, you're going to be able to grab a stack of invites. And I'm going to challenge you. And I'm going to be challenged. And I hope I can, I hope I can do this that every day for the next 30 days I would give this invitation to one person at least one person it sounds exciting but I'm going to tell you right now it's going to be hard because you're going to be like oh, I've already seen that person at the gym and given them an invite but you know what I realized like, we all go to restaurants all the time take it with you, give it to your waiter we go through drive throughs we go to the bank, we see the teller give them an invite we, we go see friends and parents on soccer team football games give an invite have it with you at all times we're going to challenge you now listen when you fill out that card you're making a commitment to god it's not it's not me it's not like oh something bad you know this is between you and god and when you do that you're going to get here's why we want that information we're going to be able to put you into a group we're going to send you a text message one text message every day to remind you who we're praying for that day and to remind you to invite i would also encourage you because i'm going to do this send an alert on my phone every morning invite somebody because i don't want to go through the day and forget about this and so we're going to commit to this we're going to give you resources we're going to be praying together as a community we're going to be inviting and just think just think what would happen when hundreds and hundreds of people invite thousands and thousands of people in our community over 30 days while we're praying for them i can only imagine god's going to do something significant in the world around our church amen i'm excited about it and i'm scared but i'm doing it and you know what i think will happen they say it takes 21 days at least of doing something every day to build a new habit. I'm praying that this would build a new habit in my life. That every day I would see the people. Now listen, this isn't just per family. Husband, wife, 
teenager, if you want to make a commitment, you grab a stack and you do that. I'm going to invite our bands to come out on our stage right now, both campuses. And we're going to, we're going to finish doing this together. And we're going to sing a song as we do this commitment. And I love this song. It's a song, it's called Reckless Love. And it, and it talks about, what is it? It's a song that's about God's heart. That God loves the world so much that he would leave the 99, that's us, and he would go after the one. I want that to be my heart. I hope you want it to be yours. I want to see the people around me that need hope and they're looking for a lifeline. And I believe that we are called to be that lifeline, to compel them so that his house, eternity, is full. Amen. So I want to invite you just to stand to your feet with me at both our campuses. You're going to have an opportunity when we begin this song. If you need to fill out that card, feel free to do so. And then when you're ready, if you want to commit, bring it forward. You're going to bring it, drop it off. You're going to pick up one of those cards. And then you're going to pick up the stack of invites. Let me pray, Father. I, I know that you're going to do something powerful in our church through this. And so I pray, God, that you would inspire us, you would lead us as we make this commitment. God, may we see the world as you see them. Amen. When you're ready, bring that commitment forward.